Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so very much for being here. Israel was on their way to what was called the Promised Land, but they had uh, a couple obstacles right before they went into Canaan land. This is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 3 and verse 11. Og, king of Bashan, was the last remaining Rephite. His bed, made of iron, was over 13 feet long and six wide. And you can still see it on display. <laughs> we don't know much about Og. What we do know is he had a really big bed. Man, that dude had some toes, didn't he? Six feet wide, which is not, that's kind of normal, but 13 feet long. Wow. That's all we know about him. It's a great Bible lesson. Before you get to promise and before you get the miraculous, you're going to have to overcome the, the lethargy and the laziness. You're going to have to overcome somebody that's got a big bed. I'm in a season in my life right now where um, it would be very easy just to lay down and just uh, coast for these next years. However, I am Harry Hoffman's boy. And you don't coast. And so uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 4, it says, if you observe the wind, you won't sow. Here's what it says in the message. Don't sit there watching the wind. Do your own work. Don't stare at the clouds. Get on with your life. So I have given you those scriptures to make an announcement to you today. I have met with our trustees and have their blessing. We have done a lot of preliminary work. I am formally announcing today that we are going into a campaign called Let's Imagine. And beginning in the spring of this coming year, we are going to have a series of services beginning on the 27th of February going through the 24th of April. That's nine Sundays. I don't ever remember doing this. I probably have at some time since I've been here. I just don't remember when it was. But I am doing it today. I am asking you as your pastor to not miss one of those Sundays. I go on vacations. I expect you to go on vacations. But I'm hopefully giving you enough notice so that you can block this out and be with us for those nine Sundays because every one of those Sundays will have a specific role and task. And at the end on the 24th of April will be our, the beginning and will be our, the beginning of our offering. We are going to take 36 months to build a new temple for the king. And uh, this is not just about building a building. This is, but if you look around here right now, if this, we thought we made the right decision, but we probably made it a little too late. If this thing continues, we're going to have to consider going to a third service. 
There are people in this service right now that have never met the people in the first service and vice versa. It's a nice problem to have. Every problem you have is not the result of a mistake. Not having enough room for people to sit in church is a wonderful mistake to have, a wonderful problem to have. And so we want to build another church. We've miraculously been given the property to the north of us for a fraction of its value. And there are many, many things that God has done and intervened and interrupted. So we've got the land, we've got the people, and we're going to get the money. And we're going to build a place for people that we don't have names for, people that we don't have faces for. This is not just about building a building. We need a place to put the people that God has blessed us with. And so we're going to do that. And so I'm inviting you with me. Let's imagine together. Because where you're sitting right now will all be dedicated to children. All these perimeter rooms that we've used. All these rooms are being used, not just being used, but they're being used for multiple tasks right now. Which is great that we've been able to, um, you know, be, uh, not waste what we have. But we're out of room. And uh, Jesus said, occupy until I come. Another translation says, do business until I return. So we're not just going to keep the store open. We're going to add some shelves and we're going to add some floor space and we're going to do our best to put, we got a great product. We got a great God. The great God deserves a great church in the Great Lakes. He does. And so we're going to build in there. Amen. Would you stand with me? In Jesus' name. Ruth, chapter number one. Two verses, one in 22, two in verse three. One in 22 says, Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Two and three says, and she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. So we'll take our subject text from that verse, and I'll teach you, and her hap was too light. God bless you. You may be seated. I've always had a great affinity for the book of Ruth. I read you again the first two verses. It came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. A certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife, Naomi, the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. I... I have to be careful because it's very easy for me to get sidetracked with these verses. These verses are full of all kinds of lessons. They live in Bethlehem, Judah. It's, it's just that compound name is a great picture of what the church should be. The word Bethlehem means house of bread. The word Judah means place of praise. So in type, they're in a place where there's supposed to be bread and there's supposed to be praise. However, there's a famine there. I've said for years, we cannot afford the luxury of one lousy service. 
This is supposed to be a place where you have fresh bread. This is supposed to be a place of word and worship. God is to be worshiped in spirit and in truth. And there are so many analogies. There's so many types here. Uh, boy, we don't ever want there to be a famine here. Because when there is, people make lousy decisions. And um, this man went to sojourn. The word sojourn means I'm just going for a little while. But as I've said to you for many years, sin is going to take you further than you thought you'd go. It's going to keep you longer than you thought you would stay. And it's going to cost you more than you thought you would ever, ever, ever spend. This is the perfect example of that. This man took his wife and his two boys and they went to Moab. And um, it, it says when the judges ruled. And uh, um, if you are a student of the Bible, you know that the books of the Bible go like this. Joshua, Judges, Ruth. And um, we still have the book of Judges. And uh, when you read it, you understand Israel was on a roller coaster. And um, in fact, the, I, I found this this week. This is the last verse before the book of Ruth. This is the last verse in the book of Judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Between Moses and Saul, the first king, the nation of Israel was led by a group of people known as judges. It was uh, a very dark time, but in the middle of that dark time, we have a love story. And um, uh, after entering Canaan, the nation goes through 400 years of this terrible roller coaster. God would give them a great, just a miraculous victory. And for a couple of years, everything was fine. And then they would turn away from him. They would be overrun by an enemy. They would repent. God would rescue them. Usually at this time, through one of these judges with names like Deborah, Gideon, Samson, those are just a few of these judges that are given to us in the book. It's the time of the judges. And Elimelech takes his wife and his two boys to Moab to find food. And uh, because the Lord had warned Israel that famine was going to be the result of their failure to keep his law. This is what it says in Leviticus 26. And your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield her increase, neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. Years before, just the word Moab, if, 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 if you're a, a student of the Bible, you know that Abraham had a nephew, Lot. Lot ended up living in the twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. An angel took him and his wife and his two daughters, literally pulled him out of that mess, told him not to look back. His wife did. She became a pillar of salt. The Bible says she's there to this day. Somewhere out in that barren, arid land, 
There's just what's probably a bump right now. It just looks like any other rock. But it used to be a man's wife. It used to be two girls' mom. But she got out of Sodom, but they couldn't get Sodom out of her. And she couldn't throw away her rearview mirror. She had to look back. Well, they spent that night in a cave. You get a little insight into how messed up the minds of Lot's daughters became. Because they literally had relations with their own father. As a result of Lot's two daughters lying with their dad, two boys were born, Ammon and Moab. And as I taught you last week, it's a young time, so it is possible for one person to become a nation. And Moab, in fact, did become a nation. And they, of course, are called that in the scripture. Listen to these two verses. I'll change some of the words considering my audience. These are crude words, but you get the idea of what I'm saying. This is Deuteronomy 23 and verse 2. An illegitimate shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. Here's verse 3. An Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to their tenth generation. Now, all the relationships with Moab was not bad, but there are repeated times in the book of, of Psalms where it says, Moab is my wash pot. It's where I do my dirty laundry. That's where you go when you leave Bethlehem, Judah. When you walk away from serving the Lord. Remember Samson? Samson told Delilah, if I lose my covenant with my God, I'll be just like any other man. Every other man wasn't blind. Every other man wasn't a beast of burden. People think, well, I'll just quit going to church and, and that's all. I'll just, I just won't go to church. It doesn't work that way, ladies and gentlemen. When you leave Bethlehem, Judah, you go to the wash pot. That's right. And I've seen it happen a lot of times and it's a very tragic thing to go on. That's why I tell people, when the doors are open, just come. It's, it's, this is, you don't have to be you know, a brain surgeon. You don't, you don't have to be IBM compatible. When we have church, come to church. Yeah. You know, Just be there, expose yourself to the word and the worship and the relationships with new brothers and sisters, it's a new, it's a, it's a new lifestyle. And, and, and it's, it's very, very important. And, and I've always said, you know, if there wasn't a heaven, if there wasn't a hell, it's still a better way to live. It's a better way to live. And it's just, it's just, but all relationships with Moab weren't bad. David, if you remember when David was running from Saul, um, he, he, the king of Moab protected him. Uh, Elimelech and his family lived here for 10 years. And, uh, you know, I've always been fascinated with names. Elimelech means God is my king. That's, and, 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 which is interesting because this story takes place in the time of Judges when there was no king but God himself. And, and Malon, his name means sickly. Chilion means wasting, which were perfect labels for their short, unhealthy lives because these two boys either died right before their dad or right after their dad died. And we know they lived there for 10 years. These, these kids didn't live long. So it's obvious they were sickly and they were wasting. 
And a lot took place in those 10 years. Naomi's husband died. Her two sons died. So now you've got three widows. And then it says she heard a rumor that there was bread in Bethlehem, Judah again. It was safe to go home. And uh, uh, if you know your Bible, uh, right before they went into Canaan, the women of Moab seduced men of Israel. It's like 24,000 men died. It was was a bad deal. Moab's got a bad, bad connotation and bad, bad history. And you've got to realize, here's Naomi. She's She's in a desperate situation. She's living in a foreign land. Her husband's dead. Her sons are gone. They obviously left Bethlehem in debt. She's got nothing. But she hears the rumor that there's bread in Bethlehem again. Thank God for rumors that can come out of the church that said it's safe to return. There's fresh bread there. Come get out of that desolate place that you're in and come back to the place of bread and prayer and worship. That's what we want. We don't want a rumor, don't go back to church. It's still as bad as it always was. You want good rumors to come out of church. Rumors are a powerful thing. Do you know that they dug up the grave of, 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 of Lee Harvey Oswald, the, 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 the guy that, that is purported to have shot John F. Kennedy? Um, they, they dug his grave up three times. They said he wasn't in there. John Wilkes Booth, the man that shot Abraham Lincoln, they dug him up three different times because they said he wasn't in there. Power of a rumor. It's, 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 it's powerful stuff. It can be good or bad. We want good rumors to come out of here. Have you heard this morning, as Brother John had said, Glenn, Glenn is, is, is Susan Fellow's brother. Over 25 years ago, I baptized Glenn and he didn't go to church, but he almost died a couple weeks ago in a horrendous auto accident. And if you saw him, all with all this hardware and his face all cut from the glass. I said, man, you don't even need a mask for Halloween. And he started laughing. Thank God he had a sense of humor and he didn't get mad at me when I said that. But today he took off his, his harness in faith and came to church and got the Holy Ghost right there. Just bam. Said, did you hear? Glenn got the Holy Ghost. And he said, you know, brother, I, I met him after service. He's just bawling. He said, I ain't leaving this time, brother. He said, I should have never left. But he said, thank God he was merciful. And I made my way back. And he said, it's a great story. But this is what he told me. He said, can you explain this to me, Pastor Hoffman? When I was sitting here, there was a man in front of me today that I felt like I was supposed to pray for him. And he said, I, I, I didn't want to seem overbearing, so I didn't. And he pointed to Jim Foote. And I said, brother, you have no idea. That man lives in more pain than you could ever imagine. And, and, and I said, the Bible said that when Job prayed for his friends, God turned his captivity. I said, from now on, you make sure you find Jim Foote and you pray for him in church and in ministering to him, God's going to heal you. 
And so he went straight to Jim and introduced himself and said, we're in this together, brother. <laughs> Those are good rumors. Those are good stories. And, and it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, the name, the word Naomi means pleasant. And she obviously was pleasant because when her two sons died, her daughter-in-laws didn't leave. They stayed with her. And they obviously loved her and she loved them. And she tells them, I'm going back home. And they went with her a ways and she's trying to talk them out of following her. And one of her daughter-in-laws, her name is Orpah, it says, and they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave under her. Clave. Literally in the Hebrew, it means stick like glue. If you were, it was, uh, is Eric Austin in this room? You hear Eric? Him and I were talking the other day. I mentioned some of this to you. I, my wife and I were driving down the road and we saw these birds up on the wire. And, and it was obvious a lot of them were just sleeping up there. And I'm wondering, why doesn't a bird fall out of a tree when it goes to sleep? I would. But birds don't fall out of trees. So you do a little homework and you'll find that when God designed birds, he put a special tendon in the bend of their legs so that when they roost and when they sit in a tree, that tendon makes their, their claws, their talons grab onto the to the limb. And uh, it was like, yeah, I could see that. If you keep your knees bent, you won't fall. Just a thought. It's just, just stay in prayer. Keep them knees bent. You know, I know the Bible says strengthen feeble knees, but uh, sometimes that means bend them in prayer. And if, if, if we'll bend our knees, amen, when we won't fall so fast. When I was a little kid, I fell a lot, but it's been a long time since I've fallen, but I've never forgotten how to fall. I'm still really good at falling. And I don't care how good you are at walking, you have not forgotten the ability of how to fall. A righteous man, not unrighteous, a righteous man falls seven times, but he picks himself back up again. It's just... So, so greatness is not in never falling. Greatness is get up, get up. And, and, and it says that this, this Ruth clave unto her, like the talons on a wild bird. It's like, you're, you're not going to get rid of me because it's, Ruth knew her mother-in-law needed someone to take care of her. My mom said something powerful on the Wednesday service before Thanksgiving. We, as our custom is, we take a lot of that night and just let people give testimonies and gratitude for what God's done for them. And my mom said something powerful. She said, I thank God for an angel named Renee. And it made me smile because her daughter-in-law had been taking care of her. And that the same way that Renee knew my mom needed help, 
I'm convinced that Ruth knew that Naomi, she cared more about her mother-in-law's welfare than her own family. And still, Naomi tries to talk her out of it. And, and, and behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. I wish I had time. This is Chemosh. This is the God that they, 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 they honor their God by, by human sacrifice in fire. And, and return thou after thy sister-in-law. And then these epic verses. These are, I, this is what Renee quoted to me when we got married. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, that's where I'll die. Where you're buried, that's where I'm going to be buried. And only death is going to part you and me. I wish I had time. There are seven things here. Where you go, I'm going. Where you live, I'm going to live. Your people are going to be my people. Your God's going to be my God. Five, where you die, I will die. Six, where you're buried, I'll be buried. Seven, only death's going to part you from me. There, I found seven different places in the Bible where this sevenfold statement keeps popping up again and again and again. It's a great picture of your consecration to the Lord. You know, just, you know, you, is, that, is that where you're going to church? Well, I'm going with you. And them, them people, that you're, them, them Pentecostals, those are your people. They're going to be my people. And uh, what? Not a lot. Jesus? Okay, yeah. Jesus God? Fine. Your God's going to be my God. And guess what? You repented, I'll repent. You get buried, I'll get buried. You get baptized by baptism, I'll, I'll you know, buried with Christ by what? It's, it's a great picture here of, 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 of your consecration. And, and this declaration shows up again and again and again. Listen, listen, listen to these verses. An illegitimate shall not enter into the congregation for 10 generations. Uh, a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation for 10 generations. It would, it would, here's Ruth going to Bethlehem, Judah, knowing it's going to take her 10 generations to get a green card. It's going to get 10 generations for her to able, be able to go to the temple. But this is the story of the book. The law wanted to exclude her, but God made a place for her. You go to Matthew. I've always enjoyed going to places in the Bible that most people stay away from. And one of the places through the years that I've spent a lot of time on are the genealogies in the Bible. This man begat this man, this man begat this man. If you go to the book of Matthew, the first chapter of the book of Matthew begins with a genealogy. Starts with Abraham and goes to Jesus. Now most people when they read, especially now, Christmas time, most people when they read Matthew 1, they start at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise. And we'll tell the Bethlehem story. But, but I don't do that. If you read the first 17 verses... Of, 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 of the book of Matthew. It's, it's the family tree of Jesus. We, 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 we talk about the gene pool. Um, this is not avion. Um, this is a sewer. But what you'll find, there are four exceptions 
in the genealogy of Jesus. There's four times it's not men. Four times there are women mentioned in the genealogy. The, the first one mentioned is a woman named Tamar. Tamar has an incestuous relationship with her father-in-law, who is Judas, who is Joseph's brother Judah. You know that word we mean praise? Well, it didn't all start out that way. The father-in-law had, had, well, got seduced by his daughter-in-law. She's mentioned there, Tamar. Ruth is mentioned there. She's from the wash pot. Bathsheba is mentioned here. Bathsheba was the unfaithful wife of David's pal Uriah. David was involved with his best pal's wife and literally killed his friend to cover up the affair. And the last one that's mentioned there is Rahab. Rahab is, is the one that run the brothel. She's a prostitute from Jericho. So there's only four women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus and every one of them come from very questionable origins. But guess what? They're in the family tree. And as I've said for a long time, this is the, this, the, if I had to name this chapter, I would from a mess to a miracle. Because you talk about a mess, this is a mess. But that's where the Messiah came from. That God used a prostitute. He used an unfaithful wife. Why? He, a woman from the wash pot. These are in the lineage of Jesus Christ. So if God can use them, why can't he use us? <laughs> I, I, oh, 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 I'm fascinated at the lengths that God will go to to make a way for people to be involved in the kingdom. I've, I found this some time ago and it, and, and it, it fascinates me because it says in Deuteronomy 23 and 2, an illegitimate child, it's 10 generations. So again, go back to Matthew chapter 1. Watch. Here's Matthew 1 and verse 3. And Judas or Judah begat Perez and Zerah of Tamar. That, this is Joseph, famous Joseph. This is his brother, Judah. He has, when he has this affair with his daughter-in-law, they have, they have two children. And one of them is, is a boy by the name of Pharez. So Pharez is generation number one, okay? So keep reading. Pharez beget Ezram. That's generation two. Ezram begets Aram. That's generation three. Aram begets Aminadab. That's generation four. Aminadab begets Neason, generation five. Neason begets Salmon, that's six. Salmon begets Boaz, that's seven. Boaz begets Obed, that's eight. Obed begets Jesse, that's nine. Jesse begets David, that's 10. So now with Revelation, listen to this verse that David wrote in Psalms 122 and verse one. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Because for the first time in 10 generations, he's able to go to church. Aren't you glad God didn't expect you and I 
to jump through 10 generations of hoops and hurdles to be able to, because let's just face it, probably none of us deserve to be here. Probably none of us, but God made a way for us. He made a way for us. That's why the Bible said your steps are ordered. You're ordered. So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, which returned out of the country of Moab and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. So this week I started, I knew there was something there so I kept reading about barley. I found that barley is always the first harvest of the year. Barley comes before even the winter wheat in the spring. It comes before the oats. It comes before the corn. It's the first harvest of the year. Up until now, this is a very, very dark story. But now things are fixing to change because they've come back to Bethlehem, Judah. And guess when they came? It's the beginning of the barley harvest. Some of you that are in this place, when Jesus turned the water into wine in, in, in John chapter two, the Bible said this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory. I, I, I'm convinced, I, I felt it this morning, I feel this very same way right now. You're in this room right now, you probably shouldn't have been there, didn't expect to be here, but here you are. It's not by chance. And I'll tell you why. Because she went and came and gleaned in the field of the reapers and her hap was the light on the part of the field belonging unto Boaz. And I'm going, hap, hap, what in the world is hap? So I did my homework. It's where we get the word happenstance. So Naomi goes into one field. She's a picture of Israel. Ruth, who's the Gentile bride, she just happens to go into another field. You gotta understand, that Naomi, she understands what's going on. Ruth hadn't got a clue. She has no idea whose field she's in. She doesn't know the family, she doesn't know the cousins, the aunts, the uncles, the nieces, the nephews. She doesn't know any of the clan. She doesn't know any of the family tree. She just happened to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz. I'm here to tell you, this is not a random event of chance that you're in church here today. You didn't just happen to show up here. The puppet master of the universe has been pulling the strings to create this scenario where you can be in this place right now at this moment. Praise God. Pray. Now do you understand why you've been fought so hard? Now do you understand why it's been so difficult? Now do you understand why there's been such opposition? There's an enemy out there that you're a piece of real estate and he's a squatter. And squatters, they say, have rights, you know. I just read, they just evicted a man in New York. He's been in a house for 22 years, didn't pay rent one time, but just knew the legal system. And they finally threw the bum out last week. Satan is a squatter. He'll just stay there and he'll do everything he can to stay. You, he's losing control over you and he doesn't like it. And he's gonna fight you and he's gonna, but the Bible said no weapon Form. It's already been built. Let the enemy spend all of his time on the weapon all you want. And at the last moment, Jesus takes the batteries out. Jesus throws the breakers. Jesus pulls the plug out of the wall. Said, there you go, stupid. Now let's see you destroy one of my children. Don't you understand that you are divinely orchestrated?
administrated. Your times, your times are in his hands. Praise God. Oh, Jesus. It's just, I, I think of Philip. Philip, 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 you know, the, 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 the widows, the Greek widows and the Jewish widows are fighting. And, and, and the Greek widows are convinced the Jewish widows are getting the best cuts of meat and, and they're pouring more Kool-Aid in their glass and, and they're getting them an extra dab of peanut butter on their sandwiches. And, and, and the disciples, they, the 12 apostles, they say, we, we don't have time with this. So they chose seven men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Here's what's cool. Not one of those names that are mentioned in Acts chapter five, those aren't Jewish names. Those are Greek names. Philip is not a Jewish name, but he's one of those original seven men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And it says that Philip went to Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And they had miracles and people were baptized. For as yet, he was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. He calls his pastor, Peter, to come down. When Peter comes, they have an amazing outpouring of the Holy Ghost. So we're not talking a magician here. We're talking a sorcerer, someone that deals with evil spirits. He saw something so amazing that he wanted to purchase it. I'm telling you, it wasn't sleight of hands. i tell you what it was. It was the same thing that happened in Acts chapter two. And suddenly they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit was there to assist them. He saw that happening. They're in the middle of this amazing harvest. And God says, I want you to leave and go over here in the middle of nowhere and just stand at this intersection. Okay. And so he's over there in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden seeing a puff of dust coming before the ridge. And all of a sudden flying over that hill, man, is this dude texting and driving. <laughs> the equivalent. He's reading Isaiah while he's riding in a chariot. And all of a sudden he about runs over this guy and he slams on the brakes. And this guy says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how in the world am I going to understand this? He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, led like a lamb to the slaughter, but didn't say a word. I have no idea what this is talking about. And, and, and Philip says, well, you've been looking for God. God just sent you a guide. I'm the guide. And he showed him the word of the Lord more perfectly. And he said, here's water. What hinders does be baptized? They went down into the water. That kind of shoots that sprinkling thing all to pieces. They went down into the water. I just have always been amazed at that story that Philip just happened to be at the, at the intersection at the very moment the one guy would come down reading out of the Old Testament, hungry for God and didn't have, just, I can give you, how many times, I found seven different times in the Bible this week. It just says, and a man of God, we don't know his name. It says Pharaoh's daughter uh, took Moses in when she saw him bobbling in that little boat by, by her by her by, by, by her her bathtub, which was probably a lake. I, I don't I don't know what her name 
blush. I, 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 remember Lot's wife, but, 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 but I have no idea what, 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 what Lot's wife, the queen of Sheba, that's all it says. It doesn't give us a name. The Bible said, are not these, isn't this, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't Mary his mother? Matthew 13, are not these his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, plural. We, they, all of his brothers, half brothers are mentioned, but, but, but the sisters of Jesus are never named, but, 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 but they're there. The Samaritan woman at the well, what was her name? I don't know. All of a sudden, the rich guys are going up and, 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 and putting all this money in the pot, you know, and, uh, and, and, and you know. making sure everybody saw him. All of a sudden, some, some, some woman just very timidly goes over, opens up her little purse. There's a button in there. There's probably a safety pin. There's a worn out stub of a pencil. And down there, there's two little coins. And she takes those coins and she puts them in the box and she sheepishly walks away, not knowing that standing over there by one of the temple's great tall columns is the redemption of the world. And he said, this woman has given more than she gave of her living. She, she's in the Bible. I don't know her name, but she's in the Bible. I'm telling you, I could give you example after example when an unnamed servant of God just happened to show up at the exact moment that it went on. Well, that's not happening to you today. My name is Harold Hoffman. I'll just tell you my name right now, but I do serve him. And I'm here pouring out my heart to you right now to let you know that I'm sitting at the junction and the intersection of your life with an understanding spirit and a spirit of revelation to let you know this is your time now this is your day this is your moment you just didn't happen to light here you are here by divine direction you are here by divine providence God is guiding and directing your life stand with me stand with me how many times listen ladies and gentlemen coincidence is Jesus working undercover I don't know who said this. I wish I'd have said it. When you're down to nothing, he's always up to something. All right? This woman is out of everything. I, remember, I, I was listening to that song that Draylon sang, and Draylon's not here, but man, the praise team did an amazing job. And I was, ah, oh man, just proud of you. Just proud of you. I wish you could have been with me between the services and saw that team. There, there was 40 or more people in that room, and I'm just looking around going, oh, my God. Just the quality and the caliber of the people that were in that room. That was, that, was, that was a zephyr. That was a dream to me many years ago. But it's not a dream anymore. It's reality. It's the same way we look at things which are not seen. You just got to in the spirit say, I see that. I see that. I see that. You got to see yourself worshiping God. Serving him with integrity. Having a consecrated life. Come with me around this altar right now. With an understanding in your heart. I make a decision decision today. I make a consecration today. Lord, I just didn't happen to show up here. I'm here on time. I, 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 I don't know who said it, but if, if, if not now, when? If not here, where? If not us, who? All right? This, this is your day. This is your time. This is your place. 
And there's an enemy out there of your soul that's going to do everything he can. Your phone's going to ring. Kid's going to do something. Somebody's going to cry. Something crazy going to happen. Stay focused right now because these next few moments are critical. They're critical right now. Raise your hands. Amen. Shut your eyes. Let's reach out to our master. Right? Lord Jesus, I feel such a, such a consequence in my heart here right now. Convinced. Convinced that there are people in this room right now this is their day. But like the wise men, your word says, and when they came and fell down and worshiped you, they went home a different way. I want the people in this room right now to experience the same thing the first service felt. I want people to go home different. If they haven't repented, we're going to repent right now. If they've never been baptized, we're going to get baptized today. If they've never been filled with your spirit, we're going to get that done today. Get that box checked. Make our peace, calling, and election sure. Let's pray repentance. Lord Jesus, Father, I recognize you as the king of the universe. There are no other gods but you. I humbly ask you to hear my prayer right now. Your word says a broken and a repentant prayer you will never despise. I'm not making this up. I'm not just, these are not crocodile tears. This is not some show. I, I legitimately want you to understand, Lord. I tried to do this by myself and I made a mess of things. But I come to you today I wish I had more to put in your hand, but if I hear what this preacher is saying, you can take the simple and you can confound the wise. You can take the weak and you can make the mighty go crazy. Lord Jesus, I'm simple and I'm weak, but I've got enough sense to understand that the thing that's gonna turn my life around is an understanding in my heart of who needs to be on the throne and who needs to continue and guide my tomorrows. So right now around this altar, Lord, I repent. I repent before you. I ask you to forgive me, Lord. I said things I wish I could take back. I, there's been some pretty pitiful, terrible things that have slid out of, these mouth, out of this mouth and between these lips. Hey, words that were so far beneath the dignity of someone that he wouldn't think they'd be a child of God. I, I'm sorry, Lord, for the words that came out of my mouth. But I'm not dealing with fruit. I want to deal with root. I want to deal with cause. You said, let the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. So I would have never had those words in my mouth if I wouldn't have had the wrong thoughts in my heart. So I repent today for thoughts that I lingered on things that I mused and meditated and I let them stay there way too long and that that, that, that that thing became cancer in my spirit and I didn't just think bad stuff, I said some lousy things, my hands Lord, these amazing hands that you gave me I've touched some things that I wish I wouldn't have touched these eyes that you blessed me with I've seen things that I wish I wouldn't have seen. I've listened to things, Lord, that I should have never listened to. And these feet, I allowed them to go places that they should have never gone. So from stem to stern, from the crown of my head all the way down to my feet right now, 
forgive me for where I've been. Forgive me for what I've touched. Forgive me for what I've seen, what I've listened to, what I've thought, what I've said. I ask you to cleanse me right now. Take a coal off of your altar and touch my mouth and let it get all the way down into the meditations of my heart. I don't want hatred in my heart. I don't want bitterness in my heart. I don't want jealousy in my heart. I don't want less than lewdness in my heart. I don't want that air in there. I, 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 I need you. I, I can't do this by myself. I tried. I need your help. So I'm asking you to hear my prayer of repentance right now. And I'm asking you, Lord, don't judge my family because of me. Don't judge my spouse because of me. Don't judge my children because of me. Oh, Lord, they didn't do it. I did it. But I come to you right now because if I hear the word of the Lord right, I still got time. I still got a, a moment. There's still a door. I ran out of road, but, but there's still one door open at the, end of the, at the end of the road. I'm coming through that. I'm sorry I came late. I should have tried you and done this a long time ago. But I did what was right in my own eyes. And boy, what a mess that was. I am a living, walking testimony of your grace and your mercy. I should have been dead. I should have been dead a long time ago. But you miraculously spared me. And you spared me for a reason. You spared me for a cause. And I, I make a covenant and a consecration today. Today, Lord, is the rest of my life. Today is a banner day in my life. Preacher said we're going to build a new building. But I'm not just going to help them build a new building. I'm going to build a new lifestyle. I'm going to make a new platform to launch my tomorrows off of. Jesus. 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 Father, anyone in this room right now who's sick, I'm asking you from this side to that side, from the back to this platform, I'm asking you to do a mass healing in this room. There are people watching this thing, Lord, from parts unknown. I know some of them, but I know there's a bunch more out there. I, I don't even know where they are and who they are, but I think you've directed them to this place today. Lord Jesus. If you could use a rooster to preach to Peter, if you could use a donkey to preach to Balaam, if you could make an ax head swim, why can't you take this live stream and literally pipe faith from this platform into a living room. Amen. From my spirit into their heart right now. I'm asking you, God, wherever they are, whether they're driving, whether they're sitting in their living room or around their table, I'm asking you to heal them right now, Lord Jesus. I want to have testimonies that we received this week that God healed me. God healed me Sunday. God delivered me Sunday. God set me free Sunday. In Jesus' name, this is the first day of the week. This is the barley harvest for many people. This is the beginning of something really good starting to bloom and blossom and be fruitful in their lives. Oh, Jesus. I thank you for that right now. Hallelujah. Let's honor him together. Amen. With a, make our, make our, with thanksgiving. Make our, our petitions known with thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Worship for a while.
Let's just worship for a while and marinate in the prison. Let's see if God will do something again. Again. <laughs>